I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are to dive into another review, getting the films rolling in this exciting summer season of releases. We've been going for classics, but also hitting some of the big releases of this summer 2023. And this one is going to be one of the big releases before I tease too many things. But before we get into that, of course I'm not on my own. I'm joined by film lover, film fanatic, man of words and crafter of sentences. It is my good friend and film companion, Callum. How are you doing today? It's warm, isn't it? It is warm, yeah. I can feel the mug in the air. I did have the windows open previously, but I didn't want the... uh, listeners to be put off by the buzz of the outside so I've sacrificed uh, my own warm comfort for the listening uh, possibilities so so everyone knows that in advance my window is open so maybe I should close it but Um, with it we've got a consistency now like I mean you know I mean so in that case listeners deal with it you hear a bird (laughs) tweeting or you hear a car a car revving in the background you get Callum as he comes exactly it's all natural it's your it's all, rider, like, if you can't natural. hit these demands, you don't get him on the podcast. Deal with it. So, some people are like, all right then. <laughs> Gone. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 we'll check the stats next week and then you'll just see a sharp drop off after that bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, how have you been? What's life been throwing at you? Yeah, good. Um, uh, I had a very cultural day yesterday. Uh, I went to the cinema in the morning and then I went to the National Portrait Gallery because it's just reopened. What was the verdicts of the reopening? Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> like all, all these one, all these pieces of art that have def- arguably defined the a narrative of a nation. And my 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 analysis is, yeah, it was all right. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nah. Yeah, I'm not going to slag off the National Portrait Gallery, even though I did off mic. But I'm not going to do it now. You saved it. What, what are you more we, we don't favored? Wanna, we, we don't want to make enemies. That's true, that's true. We, we want to make cultural collaborators here. Exactly, not, exactly. Not art enemies. What are you, your uh, preferred galleries in the London area? Um, I do. The Tate Britain's great. I love the Tate Britain. That gets our endorsement. Yeah, the Tate Britain. The Tate Modern is good as well. Um, I really like um, the National Gallery is wonderful. Um, the Whitechapel Gallery is good. Um, what about fo- outside London? Let's not just the keep photography. The photography gallery is is amazing. I went to a really good exhibition there um, a few weeks ago. Um, that was fantastic. So the National Photography Gallery is incredible, and their 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 mini sort of library. I'm going to call it. It's a gift shop, but it's it's a library because it's full of, of photograph books. Is absolutely stunning. I got a, I got a, an amazing William Eggleston um, anthology from there, and you know what. National Portrait Gallery, thank you. I got another another William Eggleston um, photography uh, book from you guys as well. So, all good. Add that to the collection. Um, Add that in. What about outside London? Let's keep this UK-wide. Um, I do like the Kelvin Grove in Glasgow. That is one of my favourite galleries. That is fantastic, the Kelvin Grove. I, uh, I mean, the Manchester Art Gallery as well, if we're going to keep it relatively local to where we're from. 
Um, the Manchester Art Gallery is good. Um, I do enjoy that. I like taking a break from from the hustle and bustle of the city in there. It's a very tranquil setting right yeah. in the heart of the city that you can just go and walk around for just a 20, 30 minute break and enjoy what's got what they've got to offer there. And it only took me seven or eight visits to realise there was a Lowry section in there at the back. So <laughs> now that was a nice surprise when I finally discovered that I hadn't toured the whole gallery. You should have expected there to be a Lowry. It's Manchester. Well, like. yeah, exactly. So I was um, a bit dumbfounded by my own idiocy once I found that, but it is good that I do have access to that now. Broad brushstrokes of, indus- of industrial life. Exactly. Epitomised Ex- by Lowry. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. But... As as you see from this podcast, the, the artistic range of it keeps going on, and there's a new segment there. We've just given you Callum's thoughts and feelings of the art galleries of London and beyond. Well, the only reason I can actually think is because this is the first weekend, I would probably say, in my a year that I haven't actually woken up hungover. So, um, and how do you feel for it? Fantastic. Miserable, actually. Miserable. <laughs> that's no why I bother. No, fantastic. <laughs> 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 no, I'm fine. It's just, it's, yeah, no, fine. Yeah, all good. All good. good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. Try, I'm trying what? to do a revitalization of myself, and it seems to be working. One, and this is what we endorse on this po- podcast, personal cultural exp- exploration and conversation. And speaking of conversation, this is what we're going to do as always today. Yes. But before we chat about it, Callum, we need to know what the film is and what the film was about. So without further ado, please can you give us one of your famous overviews and a little insight into the film, please. I can. We went to see um, the new Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City. Um, sounds like a David Bowie song. Asteroid City! <laughs> um, it's basically Suffragette City, but with asteroids instead of Suffragette. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, Wes Anderson movie uh, directed and written and produced. It's a big Wes Anderson thon of um, quirkiness. Cast... I think they got everyone involved here in Hollywood. Huge. Um, massive. I mean, you got Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Liv Schreiber, Hope Davis, Steve Park, Rupert Friend, Maya Hawke, Steve Carell, Matt Dillon, Hong Chow, Will, William Defoe, Margot Robbie, Jeff Goldblum. You know, that's a massive so cast. So many names dropped. I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically based on... Um, I think a production of um, history, really, and culture, as most Wes Anderson movies are. Um, It follows the story of a television show host basically introducing um, the audience to this sort of, like, fictional town called Asteroid City. Um, And um, it's it's a play, basically, about... um, the these various groups of individuals um largely centered around um a war photographer called uh, Algie Steinbeck um which basically is a sort of like a nod to Steinbeck really except rather than re- speaking about the american story through words he's supposed to be telling it through photography um which i thought was quite funny um but basically they all arrive at this place and the idea is that they can watch the stars and they can watch these sort of atomic bombs go off and it's all very sort of like fetishionary kitsch. Um, anyway, it basically tells the story of all these different people that come to this particular place to see these stars and to see these sort of atomic bombs go off and um, halfway through their sort of trip, um, an alien appears um, and it begins and it 
completely sort of blows open, metaphorically speaking, um, their sense of self and their identity and what it means to live. And they end up being quarantined in this um, weird, sort of kitschy, kooky um, place, um, which I'm probably I'm going to say is somewhere in the in the Nebraska desert or the Utah desert. Um, it's definitely sort of something like that anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's what the story is. And basically it tells, it's about sort of, um, it's a clear view ahead in the rear view mirror. That's what I'm going to say. That's what it's about. Seeing a clear view ahead in the rear view mirror. It's weird, Marcus. It's very weird. Um, that's, uh, Asteroid City. Thank you very much, as always, Callum. So I want a full disclosure going into this. I am a big Wes Anderson fan. I've enjoyed all his films that I've watched previously, so I was very excited going into this. And yes, I did enjoy it. It was a joy to see all the Wes Anderson visuals, quirkiness, strange characters and storylines on screen in the way that he classically does. And the setting was beautiful for it. The opening shots are fantastic in the way that it's like okay yeah this is a Wes Anderson film framed and the camera whipping around in the way that it does so from a very visual perspective it hit all the marks on that and I really enjoyed that element of it and then also the structure which I found slightly confusing at first but I think I got into it as it went on and it it starts to blend nicely but is quite confusing at the beginning this idea that what you are watching as it opens is a documentary airing of the writing process of a play which you then see the play being dipped in and out of but the play is essentially the film that you are watching asteroid city and then cuts back out to the making of and performing of this play and the behind the scenes of it so a quite strange and meta structure to it but i do like what the purpose that serves and how that explores the writer and the director and i think as we'll get into what i like from wes anderson films as well as the themes that he puts out there he likes to explore his own craft like in his previous film uh, the french dispatch which we uh, reviewed on a lost tape Uh, maybe never to be seen again we were discussing this idea of how he was exploring film and the history and nostalgia of of film and everything to do with cinema whereas this i think he was exploring the art and craft of writing and directing via these elements these meta elements of showing the writer and director creating the play of asteroid city so all great on that front. I had a smile on my face for a lot of the film. One, because it was funny in the classic quirky way, but also because it just brought me joy seeing the film crafted in the way that he does it so wonderfully. The main criticism that instantly comes to mind, I think it was just a bit convoluted at points and also slightly... Well, it meanders quite a bit. And yes, his films do meander, but still give you something to latch onto and kind of explore the story on it. Whereas a lot of points, this did feel very meandery and a little bit overly indulgent in those areas. So for someone who isn't well into the Wes Anderson world, I can see why that would grate and be frustrating. Because even points when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, this is getting a little bit bizarre. And like, what's the point it's trying to make? But 
still landed very well with me because I do like that. The other big thing that I instantly got from it was I liked the characters, but more specifically seeing actors you wouldn't necessarily see playing characters you wouldn't necessarily see them and my favorite performance being tom hanks because when i first saw that it was cast in a wes anderson film i thought these aren't two pairings you necessarily put together well you've got tom hanks of course he's played so many roles and so many different characters but you see him more as the blockbuster film and more of a wholesome character who's got this big leading impact whereas this he played not necessarily the most likable character who you couldn't warm to, but obviously had to bring that quirky, weird style that Wes Anderson pushes out there. So I like seeing a Hollywood great that you have a very specific view of thrust into this Wes Anderson world. So that was very enjoyable. So to conclude, very satisfying to come out of, but I just felt it was a bit overindulgent at points. What about you, Callum? What was your first reading of it after, after I went, watching I went at it from a slightly different perspective like I mean you, so you went from the perspective of, sort of like the, the writing and sort of like the production of of a story um the thing that I got from it mainly was the um sort of because I'm a bit of an American history sort of nerd I guess like all the sort of references to the construction of an American consciousness um like you know, every time I was watching it, I was like, he's basically taken all the sort of different things that sort of historically, since the 1950s and, and prior to that at least, that have come to sort of define an American character. He's just kind of just put in this film and sort of put them together and just let's just see what happens. I found it quite interesting in some respects. Like, you know, because the, it's quite a fantasy element to it. Like when the alien comes down, it's almost as if like American history is just as fantasiful as an alien coming down from the sky. Like... Um, okay. Yeah. I thought it was quite quite cool. Um, and at the rail at the gas station, they have a clear view ahead in the rear view mirror. It's this idea that you're always looking to the past. It's like you can find clarity in the past, and it's like epitomized through the symbolism of an automobile rear view mirror. Um, and obviously, the automobile is like um, sort of like widely sort of analyzed by scholars. It's sort of like autoeroticism of the American consciousness. It's like they're obsessed with cars, basically. Um, and what it means to be an American is about having a certain type of vehicle, historically speaking, at least. And that was quite funny. And of course, it cuts to when the car like breaks down. You've got like the the children of the, of America, like the three darling daughters that are obviously crazy. Um like one of them referring to themselves as vampires, like they're hitting an old beaten up automobile with sticks and rocks. And I just thought it was quite a nice, um, a nice sort of way to say the children don't even understand the, the story that you're putting forward to them. So, you know, they all they want to do is they're, they're just as sort of like, um, sort of barbaric and primitive as sort of like, like cave people. And of course, like American history or at least the production of it from a sort of a, a popular culture perspective has always been like to say that Americans are so far advanced than everyone else in the rest of the world. Um, so that was quite funny. I thought quite a nice sort of nod there. Like obviously like the atomic bomb parties of the 1950s were there. Like people used to go out and watch atomic bombs explode. It's sort of like bomb fetishism that actually happened. It sounds crazy, but it actually happened. Um, and then you just kind of like just like the, the you know the the symbolism of the the mother the dead mother being buried in a Tupperware box of all things. It's just yes. Like, now there's there's you know, modernity within. <laughs> yeah, just like you know the mother being like the passing of one generation and she's being preserved in an object of the of modernism. 
like I just thought it was quite funny and like she, you know, she's being buried in the desert um uh and ironically right next to it that that land is being purchased and you can buy the land from a vending machine yeah um and <laughs> that like, as a clever feature those vending machines yeah it's just like you know and you know the 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 society is very sort of mechanical everything's very mechanical um and when things can't be explained um they revert back to sort of things that made them who they are like i mean when the alien arrives and the teacher tries to explain the alien and she's like well we don't know we've never experienced any of this like so let's just let's just go back to what we do know and let's just ignore the alien like and it's yeah. just thought it was quite f- an interesting comment on history really um but you've got the inquiring minds of the children and that runs throughout both yeah that class but also the children who were submitting to the science fair with these ridiculous science innovations like i've seen things that they've come up with but there's the suggestion there that these minds of the children until they are um kind of wrangled into the right right way of view in the american system are the ones who actually see advance and progress and with the whole alien setting see it as an opportunity for um liberation and progress rather than the, the way that the teacher's trying to teach them from the, the textbook idea of, oh, this is the way things are. And you see mm. that through the kind of military presence in it as well. well. It's funny that you use the word wrangle because obviously like the people that perform to the kids are wranglers, like cowboys and wranglers. Like, I don't know how I do it. Uh, I don't know how I do it. <laughs> you know, so again, like it's just quite, yeah, it's very, um it's just very funny in some respects. It's definitely a critique of how American history is written, I think, or at least how American consciousness is imagined. I mean, you've even got the sort of the incomplete um, freeway that goes over the old um, trail that would have taken people further west. Um, I've just been I've been watching a lot of sort of, uh, uh, well, I say a lot too. Um, I'm working my way through classic American westerns or sort of classic American movies at the moment, and I watched The Magnificent Seven, um, and I've started to watch How the West Was Won. So I've got like American consciousness on the brain at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was watching that Wes Anderson movie, I was just like, this is a really interesting sort of collection of different quirks, which is exactly what a Wes Anderson movie is. I mean, I, I found the story difficult to follow if there was one, but I'd, at the same time, I was kind of just. Um, me and 12 other single guys on the cinema in their own, which is exactly what I expected going to go and see this movie in the morning on my own. Um, just all like nodding with our, like, that's very, that was very, very good. Um, you know, that was, I feel we are well in danger of straining to that territory, but sometimes I think you just got to allow yourself if that's the way that you're heading. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, interesting, interesting movie in some respects, but yeah, couldn't tell you what it's, can say what the actual story is about well let me try and take a read on that because i want to pick up and run with a bit more of the idea of the american identity of what you're yeah. talking about there is as it ended i went outside the cinema and just noticed something down in my phone because i feel like i did feel a sense of completion at the end and i might be grasping to something that's not there here but it did hit me because throughout the film I did have that feeling like you say that I was trying to grab a story that wasn't necessarily there and wondering what the point was or where it was going but yet when it did close I think there was an important minute or so in it for me that took me in this direction and that minute or so is where the family wake up Steve Steve Carell's character 
is asking them, as he keeps doing, of what juice preference they have for <laughs> breakfast. It turns out everyone else has left because the president's given the order that that site no longer needs to be quarantined as it was because the alien landed and they were interrogating everyone there and there's a national security threat and they wanted to keep the story within and everyone could go home. And everyone else did go home, but then they had a lie-in. And earlier on in the film, his uh, son, who's there for the science prize and wins the scholarship, is there like frantically saying, nothing's going to be the same again. How can this happen in the world not change? What are the implications of this going to be? And then when everyone leaves, you see very quickly the whole circus of it disappears, all the military go, anything to do with the alien disappears. And you just see in the background, as you were referencing, the atom bomb tests then continuing as they were stopped throughout this quarantine. And what hit me through this was because also because of when the film was written and produced was that i feel there was a parallel there to pandemic time and the point of the story then is saying look when something absolutely outrageously existential existential and life-changing happens within that moment we feel like there's no other way forward apart from a huge change in our lifestyle. And we think that the possibilities are endless and we feel that something huge must change and we will move forward because of it. And that's embodied by the kid who wins the science prize and his intrigue and, as I say, that childhood wonder, but also caught up within it all, thinking that things must change. And then the other children followed that and also the science professor there wants to back it but as soon as that ends there's no carry on for it it's back to the way life was previously and what does that involve it's nuclear bomb tests or the wider read of that is going back to destroying the world blowing each other up doing ridiculous things and carrying on that military-esque style that tries to commandeer the event of the alien landing And to kind of boil it down to a more simplistic point is what I think this story is trying to show is that, look, how big a story or event can happen as an alien landing, we still as a human race will not change our core vision of progress of destruction and going forward and doing ridiculousness rather than internally thinking of the progress we can make with science art and um collaboration we actually just go back to that and forget about these sites that we've had and i just feel that was a very similar message and line to run alongside pandemic era and i felt it was in my head was too similar of the theme to do to run alongside it and i got that i know as i said i might be grasping on something that's there but that really hit me at the end of the idea of the futility of something existential happening but then was not running with it i don't know what you think about that but that did strike me at the end of it yeah that's an interesting point it's quite quite a good read um yeah definitely it's uh, on reflection that's certainly there in the sense that like there is a sort of a yeah futility is the word isn't it sort of like why regardless of what you achieve we're just going to go back to you know the status quo of course it's mirrored that i guess that's mirrored with the um with the teacher isn't it when yes um you know she just ignores what's happened and then just carries on teaching what has already been written or what is comfortable to teach or what is comfortable to say um and yeah and then after after 
after the moment where a space exists to actually think about um, who we are and why we're doing something, like obviously mirrored by the kids that are like sort of, oh, I've drawn a picture of the alien. I've drawn this. I, what's this? What's that? Yeah. What does this mean? Yeah. You know, and then immediately after the quarantine's over, everybody goes back to their separate lives and just carries on um, normally, um, you know, as what they were doing before. Yeah, it's quite... I didn't think of it in that way until you just said it there, naturally. Um, I was very much trying to sort of... Um, look, I looked at it from the, like a construction of, of all the different bits of American Americana and how they're, just, they're, they're thrown into the film, and it's just quite nice to look at. Yeah, but I like, think that, that the point of that being there to sit, to show that real emphasis, like you say, on the Americana, but then the underlying point is, okay, well, we'll still be drawn back to that rather than the the philosophical questions that something bigger will give us like almost like consumerism over spirituality or religion that that kind of mm. that modern flip in many ways well there's, there's an element of sort of like there's a element of fantasy isn't there it's like yeah it's sort of like it, it's like it's, it's a fan like what that that what that world is what asteroid city is it's kind of like a fantasy in some respects it's like a, a microcosm of america in one city I think that's what he's tried to create. It's like you know, got the hamburger joint, um, the incomplete freeway, the um, the motel stop, um, the um, the the purchase of land, the burying of a dead of some ashes in a Tupperware box. You've got little microcos, and of course, I love how everyone's got guns strapped to them as well. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's another just sort of like um, I think that's another just like another little critique and the little thing that he's put in, like all these people wandering out with guns and um, they don't, they don't, they're, they're so ridiculous. The characters, it's like, why on earth do they have a gun? It's like Tom Hanks's character, for example, he, he owns a massive golf course. Um, or is it a golf course? Or he, he owns land basically. Yeah, I think he it it owns a golf course. And it's just like, why does he need a gun? Um, and then the other guy has a gun, and he's just like, well, "Why?" And then, of course, racing through the town, you, there's this constant police chase going on as well yeah. um, of just from firing guns. Um, so yeah, there's just there's just loads and loads of little bits about Americana that he's put in there, and it's just sort of like making you think, um, you know, what is the point basically when you put all these things together? Like, what is created? And it's like fantasy. That's that's the that's the impression that I got when you put all these sort of like quirky things that sort of make up American consciousness: the hamburger, the vehicle, the gun, the freeway. When you put all those together, um, you have this sort of like weird, sort of phantasmagoria. There you go. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Yeah. That's what you get. I, that, that's what I quite liked about it. Yeah, and I get that. And the visual is always very key to the Wes Anderson film, so I, I, I absolutely align with what you're saying there. Just before we do look to wrap up, I wanted to mm. talk a bit about the structure of it. I know I mentioned this at the beginning, but how did that sit with you, not just from the perspective of how it was laid out as this weird meta element of you're watching the retelling of how a play was made, but then the play is within that, and that play is the film that we're kind of watching. Mm. But <laughs> what was the point of that? My instinct from it, as I said earlier, was that Wes Anderson likes to explore his own craft within his film, and this was exploring the craft of a writer and a director and the struggle of that, but the meaning and importance of it. But I did like... There was a very specific scene I I like where he... uh, They're performing it, and the lead actor leaves the stage 
to then go and get some fresh air and he briefly speaks to the director, goes outside and then goes and speaks to Margot Robbie's character who's performing a theatre across the road and they both stood on the respective fire escapes where it turned out that she was cast for the role of his wife who is dead in the play but there was a another act which they cut out and then you get all of that context from her then repeating the lines that she'd learned for it and he'd forgotten and that context of his struggle within the play comes to you so you get that layer of the play within the film that we are watching i think that was very powerful and cleverly done but just before that he's saying to the director i don't know whether i'm playing this right but we're kind of becoming the same person and he's like no just keep playing it keep playing it the same and you get that blend of him as the actor merging within himself personally i think there's there's so many meta elements to it obviously it's it's a stylistic thing but i liked how that was done to explore the actual art and craft of it what did that give to you what did you think that was doing in the the whole film um i mean as i was watching it i was like okay so he's clearly she's clearly trying to say something here about sort of how a story is produced like the sort of like the subject producer of a story is sort of like um is informed by their external stimulus i guess i think it was kind of like at first i thought that it's not like sort of brian cranston sort of the omnipotent kind of like sort of narrator of the, the the play telling you what's happening it felt a bit sort of orwellian really like the black and white sort of like and the sort of almost like haunting yeah. kind of like and then he did this there's a funny style that was yeah I, th- I kind of think it was a comment on how when you when you're being told a story you should always sort of think about well is that just the story or is there more to the story um, because it, it made me think when you said, "Oh, when he leaves the set and he goes to talk to Margot Robbie's character," and then the audience learn that, "Oh, that should have been cast." But of course, if you hadn't have had that sort of interplay between the the person telling the story, the behind the scenes, then you would never have known that. You would have just accepted the film or the play as it was presented to you. And I think maybe what he's trying to say is that whenever you whenever you think about story and narrative, narrative is never linear narrative is never sort of straightforward there's a lot of sort of complications and uh, around how narrative and how stories and how uh, history in particular is produced i mentioned history because um there's so many references to it in the film i mean and it's a pit- uh, there's so many like little, little quirks to it i mean the sort of the the uh, the the petrol station you know um it's the uh, the clear view ahead in the rear view mirror um, you know, I think I think what what Wes Anderson is trying to do here is say that narrative as a construct, or narrative, sorry, narrative is a construct, um, and when you when you you should never sort of accept the story that one person gives you as as the, the story. Try and think about the sort of context and what happens around the production of a story um, and how it is made up of different people's influences yeah now. exactly it goes from the writer to the director to the actor and this very specific process yeah and those lines get blurred of who's telling it what are they projecting and what does it give to them it's not just here's a written piece of of story here's it's now projected out there this is a collection of individuals sharing different 
emotions and feelings for different reasons. It's not necessarily just, here's the truth of this story. It is, how do these other people play um, with each other, specifically within a play format, but within life, within the world, with any form of Mm. art, and how, when it comes down to it, a piece of art or a story is actually a accumulation of different people's thoughts, feelings, and experiences rather than just one very specific linear thing, as you say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, in short, it's like, you know, narrative and story and is 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 a construct in and of, in and of itself. That's basically yeah. what um, the point of it, I think. I mean, there were points where I was just like, it's a little bit obscure, a little bit sort of like... A little, oh, it was, like, absolutely, um, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I think it, was, it was quite a... I think without the sort of the... Um, the classic Wes Anderson sort of set I think it would have been quite um I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much okay yeah I think I could get on board with that but I also as I said it was a bit self-indulgent from the part of the filmmaker yeah of course it will absolutely but it's also self-indulgent in the part of the audience in the way that for someone like you and I who go into it knowing that we like this style being able to really dig into this conversation like this and properly pat ourselves on the back for picking up all these different bits is self-indulgent for a specific audience and I will happily hold my hands up and say that I am being self-indulgent in in indulging in that certainly inflating our hubris right the face the face is there absolutely absolutely but let's get this wrapped up yeah let's we've really gone through it there but before i give my mark out of 10 what is my summary my summary is as i said earlier love wes anderson films this was a great example of it visually really enjoyed what was put on screen and just put a smile on my face taking all that in characters and actors wise thought it was fantastic the all-star cast I mean, he always has an all-star cast, but this seemed even more widely extended. Everyone seems to want to be on a Wes Anderson film, but I did enjoy the fact that there was actors in there that you didn't necessarily expect to be, and they played characters which I found intriguing, especially Tom Hanks playing something that I wouldn't necessarily expect to see him, and he, of course, pulled it off, but it was uh, fascinating to see that. In terms of the story, yes, a bit convoluted. I did enjoy it just in the weirdness of it. This, as you say, the the 50s America modernity, kitschy, weird goofiness of it all was fantastic to just throw yourself into. But it was convoluted. And the fact that it took us such a dive to unpick elements of it, I think it strays more into my scale of what you got from it afterwards absolutely being there, but there was moments when you're watching it thinking, I am going to have to really dive into this afterwards to get the enjoyment out of it. It wasn't continuously gripping in the way that the story carried you through all the way. It, there were points where there's interchanges in the char- within between the characters, and you're like, okay, this is just now a, a stranger side that doesn't necessarily keep this plot going forward. So slightly frustrating at those points because there are Wes Anderson films, i.e. Rushmore, which I absolutely adore, where that story just drives forward, drives forward, and it's fantastic and captivating to watch, whereas I don't think this had that continuous drive. And I think that's what lets it down a little bit, even though it was a fantastic execution of the Wes Anderson style and everything and all the positives that come with that. So for that, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Very enjoyable film, great. We'll watch it again, but just missed out because of that 
viewing experience and the plot not quite giving me everything I wanted it to. Callum, what about you? Um, I'm I'm going to give it um, seven out of ten actually, um, just because the story, as you say, the story for me didn't keep me hooked. You know, there was moments where I was I kind of zoned out because it was just too obscure. Um, the thing that saves it is all the sort of references to Americana and how that is produced and the idea of America in that particular setting. I think the set is something that really saves it. I think you've got a bit of an over I think you've got a bit of an overinflated cast, maybe. Um I'm not necessarily sure what having such a massive cast does to the story other than to say that I've been in a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Um, There's definitely you know, a part of that at play you know what I mean? for sure. Yeah. yeah. So like I just um yeah, seven out of ten for me. I just I just wait it's was just a little bit too obscure in places, which is rare coming from me. Usually I kind of go towards the obscurity, but um in this particular instance uh it just didn't really um do it for me. I wouldn't be in a rush to watch it again. I would watch it again, but I wouldn't be in a huge rush to do so in the same way that I would for, to say, for example, you know, Grand Budapest Hotel or Fantastic Mr. Fox or Rushmore even, you know. There's um there's better movies in in his canon, but it's no it's by no means a bad movie. It's not it's it's very it's very carefully crafted and it's clearly it's a very intelligent movie as well. So um that's why for me it sits at seven out of ten. Amazing. Thank you very much, Callum. And there we have it. That was another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Another Wes Anderson one. Obviously, we're always very excited to see what Wes Anderson's putting out there. Thank you, Callum, for sharing your thoughts, views, Sorry. and opinions. As always, we continue to cane through the reviews. New and classic. As I said earlier, there's some big films coming out this year, this summer. That was one of them. Quite a few more to come that we're excited to dive into. But of course, we will be throwing ourselves back to some classics. Have a look through our previous episodes to find some of us on that. And we've got some great conversation episodes coming your way and also already released in this summer season love those conversation episodes with fantastic guests from all sorts of creative areas whether it be film video cinema or other areas of the arts keep checking out for those but please do also follow us on instagram if you don't already at the glacé film club let us know what you think share your opinions on the films that we're chatting about any suggestions of films you want us to check out Hey, and we just like a chat as well. We're friendly, guys. Get in touch. We'll have a chat. And we will always be open to discussing films. But that's that. We're going to have to love you and leave you. Keep watching films. Keep checking us out. Give us some nice reviews. Please, please, please. Because we do appreciate it. But until next time, that was the Glass A Film Club podcast. We'll see you all later. Goodbye.